Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. Are you looking for a great website that gives you history the way it was intended to be told? With no PC, no Marxism, no progressivism. Well, I've got it for you. It's LearnTrueHistory.com. That's LearnTrueHistory.com. Learn history from great professors who don't sugarcoat it for you. This is not for your delicate flowers. That's LearnTrueHistory.com. LearnTrueHistory.com. This is The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. This is episode 26. And today I want to talk about three articles that on the surface seem to be discordant, but they're not. Because they're all indicative of a larger problem in American politics and American society in general. One of them is a solution, and then two of them highlight the problem. And actually, I'm, I'm doing this podcast today because uh, Hillary Clinton has been declared the winner of the Democratic primary. And so now uh, Bernie Sanders supporters, many of whom are young, and they've latched on to Bernie Sanders because they think he offers some type of refuge, some lifeboat for the problems that Generation Snowflake or Generation Cupcake or whatever you want to call them, are facing in America today, and so they're turning to socialism. They're looking at, a, at an ideology that's defunct, that doesn't work, but they don't know what to do. And so the first article I want to talk about actually was on McClatchy, and it's uh, an article entitled, Young Voters to D.C., We Don't Need You. Now, so I want to focus on young people. You know, this is a podcast. My hope is that young people listen to this. You know, the older generation of people don't listen to podcasts as much. So younger people do. They're turning off the television. They're, uh, they're watching less TV. They're getting their news and information from the Internet. They're getting their news and information from mediums like this or from YouTube or uh, those type of, of, um, of uh, resources. But... They don't, know, they don't know how to react to this growing problem in America. And that growing problem is, in America is anger with the current situation, a situation that does not ever seem to improve. And so I addressed this issue in another podcast, Why Are Americans Angry? But again, this highlights the situation. So this particular article says, it starts, They came of age in an era of congressional gridlock, They've never known a government that appeared to work well, and young entrepreneurs are trying to make it on their own. So there's three things there. One, we've got government that came of age in, during the Obama administration, right? So it's not necessarily true that government has been in gridlock for the last eight years. I mean, so you've got 20-somethings uh, you know, who are early 20s. They were teenagers when Obama was elected president. Uh, before that... You had Bush as president, and of course the Democrats were controlling Congress when Bush was president for the last uh, several years. And then you've got now Obama. Now, see, when Obama became president, there was no congressional gridlock. 
There was no congressional gridlock at all. Obama had a Democrat Congress, and he could do whatever he wanted. Hence, Obamacare, even though there was a, an attempted block, you know, the Democrats just altered the rules of the Senate, and they got through Obamacare. So there hasn't been any congressional gridlock, except for the last few years, when Republicans have controlled the Congress. And even then, they've gone quite along uh, very well with uh, Obama's agenda. They haven't offered much of a resistance or an opposition. So I'm not so certain about the first point, but they've never known a government that appeared to work well. What government ever has worked well? I mean, this is this comes from a position where government should work well, should do something for you. And so the, the, the article's already, you can already see the slant in the article. But young entrepreneurs trying to make it on their own. So here is actually the, the key point to the article. And of course it says, we don't need you. Now one thing that I've always been fascinated with, with uh, Ron Paul, has been his ability to attract young people, millennials, uh, you know, the generation before millennials, he's been able to capture these people because he's offering something that's different. You know, Sanders is offering something that's not really different. He's offering a proposal that's been tried before all over the world, has brought violence, uh, economic uh, stagnation, uh, economic misery, to be frank, if you just look at Venezuela, social misery, political misery. That's what Sanders is offering. We've already got some of that here in the United States. But what Ron Paul was offering was something completely different for young people. It was liberty and freedom. It was the ability to make your own way. And so young people, the millennials that have grown up, now they're in their 20s, maybe early 30s, somewhere in there. They have grown up in an era with the internet around them all the time. And a lot of them have figured out how to use this to their advantage. Uh, as my wife said the other day, you can now be a housewife with your hair up in a ponytail, wearing sweatpants, and still making over $100,000 a year just through the internet. You don't have to go into the office anymore. You don't have to do that kind of stuff anymore. You can be out there making it on your own. All you got to do is find a product or a service or an idea, something that people latch onto, and it sells. And you can do it right from your own home. So it's changing the game. The internet is changing the game. It has been for a very long time. And so young people are figuring out, well, we really don't need government to offer goods and services because government is not responsive to us. Now what they're missing is that they still have a lot of power over government. This is where you get into the issue of uh, not being represented. And how we have a representative ratio that's so far out of whack, young people don't feel like they're represented because they're not. So this is really good. Young people don't need D.C. anymore. And so as you read the article, it's by a man named David Lightman. He interviews uh, a few people. Uh, one is a person, uh, a woman named Morgan Betts, and she's got her own downtown music promotion company. She's 27 years old, and she says, quote, I probably should start thinking about that, but I don't. And she, they're talking about the November election. And the article says, just like so many others in her generation, unlike their parents, younger people don't regard Washington or their presidential votes 
next fall as an important force behind their economic well-being. And then there's a quotation from a woman named Tiffany Hill. She's a financial systems administrator from uh, Brandon, Florida, near Tampa. And she says, I don't think the presidential race has anything to do with economics anymore. They interview another uh, another woman, an attorney, Rebecca Ahrens from uh, Tampa. She's got tens of thousands of dollars in student loan debt. She's paying close to 7% uh, interest. And she says she voted for Obama, but she says, I've kind of given up on the government helping me out. So three things. Now, they talk about student loan debt, and I'm going to get to that in a second. A lot of these people, these millennials, were voting for Obama. They were hoping for hope and change. They were voting for the promises that Obama made to do something different. Now, anyone who was astute knew that Obama was not going to do anything different in terms of the economy or uh, you know foreign policy. Now, he has done some radically transformative things in terms of society. I mean, he said he's going to remake America, and that's the radical left, and he's done some of that, and I think Trump is a pushback against that. But just take these three things. Here's one girl, one woman, I should say, not thinking that, uh, not thinking about the November, November election because she doesn't really think it's going to do much. An attorney saying that the presidential election is not going to help, uh, you know, do anything with economics. In some ways, they're right. I mean, the president is not the legislator in chief. He's not the economist in chief. He has to rely on advisors. And of course, uh, he can help with monetary policy. But Congress really has the complete control of, you know, and, and of course, the Federal Reserve. The president does have some control over that, uh, as does Congress when it comes to the chairman of the Federal Reserve. But that's the issue, right? I and mean, this is something that's been going on for a long time. People are questioning what the Federal Reserve is doing. What the heck are these people doing? So a lot of young people are not believing the government is there to help. And the problem is that they've been told for their entire life that the government does help. They look at the New Deal. And uh, they think, well, that's that's the shining example that we have, the New Deal that saved America. We had all these people out of work, and the economy was in terrible shape. So we need to have a New Deal. This is why I say that Franklin Roosevelt, and I think I'm going to do a podcast just on Franklin Roosevelt at some point, but this is why I say Franklin Roosevelt is the most transformative president in American history. Uh, because he really set an agenda that's lasted now for 80 years. And that agenda has been the New Deal. And the second part of that agenda was a second Bill of Rights, which he, a speech he made in 1944 that became all the Democrat talking points from that point forward. Free health care, free housing or low-cost housing. Everyone deserves a job. Everyone deserves uh, you know, an education. Everyone deserves all of these things. And government will provide them for you. So young people are always looking to the Democrats because they think that the Democrats are there to help them out. And this is the phenomenon with Bernie Sanders. But the thing is, young people need to look at the facts. And the facts are that, yes, government is not there to help you out. Government cannot help you out. And if you look at what government has done in the last eight years, if you look at what has happened with several indicators of how the government is not helping you and cannot help you, you'll see that These people are right. They should turn away from national politics and start focusing on the local. Think locally, act locally. 
They should be worrying about Florida, not the United States. And there's actually one person who's 40. Now, that that's my age. I'm not Generation Snowflake. This guy's name is Ben Baker, and he, he says, look, uh, this article starts by saying, what affects these young people more, said Ben Baker, 40, a commercial real estate agent in Bradenton, are local economic drivers. Quote, they're the ones deciding our property tax rates and other things that directly affect us every day. Exactly. So think locally, act locally. So this article actually gets that part right. It's just that we've lost that anchor, that federalist anchor. You know, that is the solution, right? The, the, it's the federalist solution. It's, it's decentralization that, be, that becomes the solution to the bigger problem. And that bigger problem is an out-of-control central government. So you, you, you look at these things, and, dis, and, and, and young people are not satisfied with the direction government is going or the direction society is going in. And so you got this guy who's 40 saying, look, I mean, the local government is where the, I mean, that's where, that's where the rubber hits the road. These are the people that are affecting us every day. He's 100% correct about that. And young people should be upset with the last eight years with the change that they got. They got change through Obama. It's not the change they wanted. And the article I'm talking about here, and there's a nice graph of this. It's on Zero Hedge. If you haven't, if you don't go to Zero Hedge, you should. Uh, and uh, this article is called, uh, titled, "The Economy Is Better Off Now Than When I Started." Obama delivers remarks on the state of the economy, and it's a very short little article. It has a has a a, a video of Obama saying this, but. Uh, Tyler Durden, who is the, the main guy at Zero Hedge, says, quote, No fiction peddling will be allowed at Obama's speech taking place uh, right now when the president is delivering his well-oiled sermon on how, quote, the economy is better off now at the start of his presidency. Just ignore the facts. So he has a nice little chart there. First one, student loans have skyrocketed under the Obama administration in the last eight years. Food stamp usage skyrocketed under the Obama administration. The federal debt skyrocketed under the Obama administration. Money printing, skyrocketed under the Obama administration. Healthcare costs, skyrocketed under the Obama administration. Uh, on the other hand, labor force participation has taken has fallen off a cliff under the Obama administration. Black inequality has skyrocketed under the Obama administration. Medium family income has declined significantly in the Obama administration, and so has home ownership declined significantly in the Obama administration. So you have several things that are indicators of a very bad economy, like student loan debt, food stamp usage, federal debt, money printing, health care costs, while things like people getting a job, people having a home, people having uh, you know a, a stable income that they can use to invest or just be uh, to a point where they're not struggling financially. Uh, you know, there was another article the other week that said 70% of Americans don't even have $1,000 set aside for an emergency. That is the Obama economy. That is heavy debt, uh, an inflationary monetary policy, and a weak economy where nobody's getting a job. So these young people are looking at the Obama economy and they're saying, it's a disaster. And what they don't realize, and they should, is that the reason healthcare costs are up, 
and the reason and the reason college prices are up is because the government has become involved in those things. I talk about this quite a bit in my nine presidents who screwed up America, and the fact that um, what student loan debt has done, what student loans I should say in general have done, is they've inflated the price of college. Colleges understand they have a guaranteed amount of money they're going to get. They're going to get at least your Pell Grant if you're, if you're poor. They're going to get that. So college is going to cost whatever your Pell Grant is or close to it. And then if you're a four-year institution, they're going to get what they can get out of Pell and your student loans. They're going to get that, you see. So they're going to get, they're going to get the amount you put those two things together. That's your price of college. This is why college has gone up, because they've got a guaranteed cash drip to the tune of about $15,000 a year. Uh, even your two-year colleges are looking at that cash drip, and they say, okay, we can charge this amount for a two-year degree. And then it's even worse when you start factoring in uh, professional programs, uh, major four-year institutions, you know, your your. Uh, well-known schools, they can charge a lot more because they've already got the base, so they're going to charge more because, you know, uh, people are going to try Parents will take out loans. They'll take out loans to put their kids in school, so there's another large chunk of money for kids to go to school. And they wonder what they're getting out of it. These entrepreneurs, a lot of them, uh, aren't using their degree uh, they're they're going out and they've they've learned one of the thing I tell one of the things I tell young people all the time is learn to market yourself because that will help you in the future when you're trying to get a job or get into a career field or even being out on your own learn how to market yourself. So student loan debt is up. Uh, you know healthcare costs. The reason healthcare is spiked uh, is because of government involvement in the healthcare industry. Go figure. They've got a guaranteed cash flow, whether it's from Medicaid or Medicare or Social Security. I mean, whatever you take your pick, uh, take your pick of your government entitlement program. Plus, you factor in the amount, the, the the issue now of uh, health insurance. Everybody's got to have it, and if you don't have it, you get it right when you go to the hospital. So that's going to you know now now you, the insurance companies have to insure more people with pre-existing conditions, et cetera, et cetera, and so you're going to see your healthcare costs go up. So the government has created this situation. Everyone's health insurance is going up. Everyone's health care costs are going up. Again, the hospitals for years have known they have guaranteed money, which is why they charge what they do. At the same time, what people can earn is going down. At the same time, people buying a home has collapsed. Now, you can make an argument maybe that's a good thing because people were getting tremendous amount of debt off of mortgages uh, and uh, home ownership is very expensive, and maybe more people should be renting because it's it's a much more fluid situation. But of course, as home ownership has gone down, rental prices have gone up because there's a, a larger group of people looking for rental properties rather than just buying a home. So it offsets it's, itself. And of course, debt and money printing, two of the worst things you can do for an economy, have skyrocketed under the Obama administration. So young people are looking at the economy and they're saying it's awful and they're right. And they're saying government can't do anything. Well, they can. They can wreck the economy as they're doing right now. I'm not so certain they can do anything about saving it ever. 
I mean, if you look at how responses have come and, and economies that have been saved, it has never been through government intervention. It's always been by the government cutting spending and cutting taxes. In other words, reducing debt and reducing government influence in the economy so that the private sector can do its job, which is to create jobs, to invest, to get people working. That's what the private sector does. And it's done some of that, even the Obama economy, not very well, because it's been handicapped by the Obama economy. I mean, the economy is doing what it's doing in spite of all of the economic regulations, all of the debt, all the money printing. It's, it's, it's struggling along because the free market, the free market will work, but you got to let it go. And of course, the Obama administration is not willing to do that. And young people now are saying, we're stuck. And they're right. They're not represented. The government is, is advancing a fiscal policy, a monetary policy, that's going to collapse the economy and the dollar. It's going to happen. It's just a matter of when. Not if, but when. We're already starting to look at here in 2016. By the time Obama leaves office, the indicators are that there probably will be a depression or a recession at that point. And so what we've had is zero recovery and now back into a recession. And of course, the Austrians have been predicting this for years. We've created some bubbles to try to prop up the economy. They're not working. The Fed has shot all of its arrows out of its quiver. Uh, that's, not, that's not working. Um, so the economy needs to adjust. It should have adjusted uh, about 10 years ago. And the bottom should have been found then, and we already would, would have been in a recovery, but nobody allowed it to do that. The Bush administration and the Obama administration have pursued policies that have led to another bubble, and when the bubble bursts again and the bottom has got to be found, uh, it's going to be pretty bad. So you look at all of this stuff, and then you throw in an article on the Daily Caller the other day, uh, Lord Moncton, Lord Christopher Moncton has said, Texas should just secede. So Lord Moncton was an advisor to Margaret Thatcher. And he did an interview with the Daily Caller where he says, look, uh, America is on the verge, this is what the article says, quote, America is on the verge of being overrun with Islamic invaders, which will be accompanied by imminent financial destruction. So he said that Texas should just secede. He calls it a Texit as a life raft for the best of America. Now, the interesting thing about this article, of course, is that, number one, people are looking for these type of solutions now. Well, the U.S. United States is a Titanic sinking. we got to get off the ship somehow. So we need a life raft, and secession offers the life raft. So this is where the decentralist federalism, you know, the idea, the fundamental structure of the Constitution becomes the saving grace for America. And Moncton says, quote, The United States Constitution has not proven sufficiently robust against the relentless increase in federal power and wealth at the expense of the states. And the Supreme Court has increasingly aggrandized itself by inflict inflicting new law on all states. Well, this is true. But there are mechanisms in the Constitution that could stop that. And one of those mechanisms is the very structure of the Constitution itself, which is federalism, state power. So Moncton says, unquestionably, the quickest solution to this problem for Texas is to exercise the right of secession, which instantly cuts off altogether the power of the federal government to interfere in Texan affairs. 
And Munkin says Texas has always retained the right of secession. And while he says he's no expert on constitutional administrative law, he says Texas's legal right to secede can be found in international law. That's a very interesting argument. He's not even relying on the Constitution anymore as a right of secession. He says, quote, In the present post-colonial era, the norms of international law have moved strongly in favor of recognizing what is known as the right of self-determination of peoples. If the people of defined territory, large enough and populous enough to be self-sufficient and self-governing, decide to be independent, then they should be allowed independence. He says, quote, The United States and all other nations would be obliged to respect their right of secession and their decision to secede. Texas would establish a working relationship not only with the United States, but also with Mexico. And he says that independence will create a competitive advantages advantages with uh, uh, business. Texas will offer a, 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 an example for everyone else. They can set their own fiscal policies, their own economic policies, their own immigration policies. And so there is a very a fairly large Texas independence movement growing now, and it's, it's growing because and it's growing all over the United States in different areas because people are saying, enough. We want a real solution to the problems that are facing us. Washington, D.C. does not represent us. Here you have, so again, all these articles fit together. you got young people saying, think locally, act locally, this guy in Bradenton, Florida. And, and other people there saying, we just want Florida. Uh, we just want to focus on what's going on here in Florida. That's fantastic. And then you've got these economic indicators, which say the national government, which we've created out of thin air. The national government can't solve our problems. This is correct, too. And in fact, it exacerbates our problems. And then you've got this article on Texas secession, which is saying, hey, the solution is secession. Now, put all those things together, and this is why young people should be looking for real solutions, which is think locally, act locally, not national solutions, top-down solutions that are never going to work. They are never going to work. You have to focus on your family first. As I said in the podcast, Think Locally, Act Locally. You have to focus on your family first. Prepare them. Focus on your own economic well-being. Prepare yourself for independence. Then worry about your local and your state governments because the government in D.C. is broken and it won't be fixed from the inside. I mean, you can vote for whoever you want. You could vote for Donald Trump. You could vote for Gary Johnson. You could vote for Hillary Clinton. It's not going to do anything. It can't do anything because of the structure of this, quote-unquote, national government for the United, quote, state. Not United States, but we have the United State. Singular. This is exactly what the Fenning generation wanted to avoid. This is exactly why we did not create a national government in Philadelphia in 1787. It was a federal republic that maintained the federal structure that was there in the Articles of Confederation. At least that's how the Constitution was sold to the states. So you put all these discordant things together. And what young people need to do, and I, and I hope I'm reaching young people with this, you got to focus on the local. you got to focus on wherever you live first, you got to focus on yourself. Become independent. Get out of debt as fast as you can. Do what you can to do that. It's a hard thing to do in modern society. 
Everyone knows that. But you got to try to do it. You got to try to be as independent as you can because that will help you in the future. No, you, nobody owns you at that point. So become independent, get out of debt, think locally, act locally. Stop worrying about a representative government that doesn't really represent you anymore with a ratio of over 700,000 to 1. It doesn't represent you. And I think it was refreshing. Of course, that you know, young voters to D.C., we don't need you. The point of that article was to try to say, well, I mean, we got to capture these young people and show them that government can be more responsive to you. We can show you what government can do for you. It can't do anything for you. It never has been able to. It's a siren that will lead you to the rocks. Bernie Sanders is a siren. I mean, now that's a pretty horrible image of Bernie Sanders uh, sitting in a uh, bathing suit on the rocks singing to you. But that's what he is. He's a siren sitting on the rocks, and you're going to crash your ship into that if you go down that path. The real solution is federalism, is the local. And I think that's where people need to go if they want to have some peace in this world politically, some peace socially. I mean, if you want to live in a community of of people like you, that's what you do. You start thinking locally. You stop worrying about what happens in another state. You stop worrying what happens across the country. You start worrying what happens in your own home and then in your state and local community. All right, I'll see you next time on The Brian McClanahan Show.